Nothing's new, nothing's free, nothing feeds itself, nothing breathes. Welcome to Comfortable Place on the Couch Series 2. I don't even know why we call it Series 2 anymore. The continuing saga of Comfortable <laughs> Place on the Couch, a regularly scheduled podcast where regularly scheduled, two like. Canadians, we're trying to make it regularly <laughs> okay, scheduled, okay. talk about a band full of Australians with a New Zealander basis, that's going to be your line next time, okay. to Midnight Oil fans waiting for some new albums in 2020. Yes. My name is Darren Folds, and I'll be listening to all those Midnight Oil songs that didn't make it onto their studio albums. We're talking about B-sides, covers, demos, and maybe a few other tracks if the fancy strikes me. Joining me each episode is my best friend and fellow Midnight Oil enthusiast, Robin Harbin. Welcome to the couch, Mr. Harbin. Have you noticed that I'm trying to be back on my game this episode? Are you ever? You're like organized. You've got books and albums and notes and bookmarks and laptop. <laughs> to be fair, the bookmark is my lunch bag. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's still really ambitious. And you're like holding a laptop and... And reading my script from it. Yeah. Yeah. We are professional. We are... I am trying to make a bit of an effort. I feel like we are getting into the regular releasing and recording of Comfortable Place on the Couch podcasts, and I'm trying to do it well. Wow. At least this week. (laughs) Today. (laughs) Today. Yeah. Well done. Well, I'm inspired by you. Great. (laughs) Hey, you know what would be an appropriate thing to do right now? No. Business as usual. Yeah. And surprisingly, we've got a bunch of business as usual to take care oh, of. Oh, do we ever? Seeing as like, what did we decide last last time? Did we say that we hadn't actually Midnight Oil podcasted for like over six months? Oh, yeah. Maybe was, even more? Yeah, I think we looked, I looked back and it was like June 2019 okay. until February. So it was somewhere around eight months of okay. we were gone too long. Well... Since our last episode, which came out in February, yeah, and now it's March. That's right, so a month ago. Trying to stick to our once a month schedule. Yes, and it's happening so far. If this episode makes it out, yeah, two for two. That'll be two for two. Two for two. I've got some business as usual. We have some business as usual to take care of. So the first one um, is from our friend Nancy. Yes, and she sent it to you. So would you like to bring it up? Yeah. So Nancy wrote me. What did she say, Darren? Uh, she said the, about Spinifex gum. It's the Aboriginal group that Pete Garrett has yeah, performed with. Right, because I, I mentioned, oh, maybe they'll be a guest, but I didn't Yeah. I didn't do any research. <laughs> I didn't even look up the name of, of who it would be. So Spinifex gum. Trust the librarian to look it up for us. Yeah, thank you, Nancy. And yeah, I really like that video that Pete appeared in where he's uh, driving that old ute that that truck right through yeah the, yeah and do you remember the video for it vaguely and notably that video has this segment where there's a snake video game okay being shown on the yeah, screen yeah and it has commodore yes the commodore font yeah. like from my old computer so that was so weird to see pete back in a in a video with commodore stuff yeah. That was so weird. How bizarre. Spinifex gum. That's the only reason I brought all that up. Okay. Um, Nancy also, maybe Nancy did this or maybe you were just putting yeah, it in Na- the notes. Nancy was the first one to correct us. Yep. But we, or at least I did, made a major mistake and the Survivor. Yes, the Survivor game on Facebook Survivor page. game should be credited to, Darren. Matt's Holmberg. Yes. So very sorry, Matt, that you put all that effort yes, in. Yes, the amount of effort that he put in for months. Yeah, seven months, apparently. Yeah. yeah. And I I don't know why I thought James did. I, I think he just tagged me every once in a while to bring me into the game. And uh, that's why. Yeah. Have a look on the Survivor album by album. I think the qualification round where each of the albums was sorted was at least as interesting as the finals. Matt says that. We were talking a little bit about um, just the the, the Facebook um, Powder Workers group. 
you were you were letting me know how things were going there and you know it's had some ups and downs over mm-hmm. the last few months I haven't been been around and you explained that a bit to me and it's funny because I think the day after or the day that I was editing the previous podcast where we were talking about that I also happened to be watching um, clips from the 1984 documentary mm. um, that were put on and there was there was one particular clip that kind of resonated with what I kind of thought you were explaining about that. So let me, let me just see what I wrote down here. Uh, re-aggressive, abusive, overly assertive Facebook people being banned from the Facebook group and saying stuff like this. Well, Midnight Oil speaks like this, so I must also speak in such a way. And then I was watching the 1984 documentary and seeing how Pete used to take care of the crowd, in particular bullies yeah. in the crowd, um, and there's one shot where he grabs a guy by his collar and he's just towering over him and he's giving him <laughs> quite the stern talking to like middle of the song. He just kind of holds the microphone side, gives him what for. And the guy's kind of looking up at him and yes, sir. Yeah, yes, yes sir. sir. And off he goes. And then he addresses the crowd afterwards. And in keeping the peace, he says, you know, the whole world is against us and you two just want to kick each other's heads in. Yeah. And so I thought, well, you know. Maybe some parallels there. Yeah. What else we got here? Oh, yes. I was talking about Warren Livesey. Yes. The Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you call him a Canadian? I, I, don't, I don't know if I... I, I may have you, called him Canadian. I definitely... I think I probably implied that he was Canada's own oh, Warren Livesey or something I, like that. I missed that. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. just want to... Um, to state for the record that Warren is actually an Englishman. Yeah. Um, he did move over to Canada, I think, after he worked with the Oils. He was working with Matthew Good um, and other bands. And, you know, it makes makes you kind of wonder, you know, because when the Oils were passing through on the second leg of the North American tour in 2017, they were going to be doing some Canadian dates with Matthew Good Band. Yeah. Um, so, in fact, I think they did play at least uh, the Toronto Harbourfront show, I think, played with Matthew Goodband. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, just wonder if, you know, if Warren introduced them or anything like that, you know, what the yeah, connection might con- be. there's a connection there, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Warren came to Canada after working with Midnight Oil. Yeah. Worked with Matthew Good, and he does reside in Toronto. So, and you don't think he's become a Canadian citizen despite being here for... Yeah, 20, 20 30 years. 30 years. Um, we don't know. Christopher Kerr was a little bit disappointed in the pointedly anti-rap position expressed by uh, your hosts, yes. Robin and myself. Um, he says, frankly, protest rock is a dormant or dead genre, while Australian hip-hop groups have kept the flame burning for issues-based music. Perhaps our Canadian correspondents are imagining something closer to 90s U.S. gangster rap rather than our local flavor. Yeah. 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 So so I totally admit that I'm ignorant as to what the current state of Australian rap is and and maybe I'd get into it. I, I there's an open invitation if there's something you think is really good, send it to us and at least I'll give it a listen and maybe sure. Darren will. Yeah, maybe I will too. You I think you had mentioned in our notes something about um well there's Dream Warriors. Yeah, so the basically I've only liked two groups ever yeah <laughs> so one is like dj jazzy jeff and the fresh okay, prince yeah yeah <laughs> with like a nightmare on elm street and so on okay so that's like comedy like the weird owl version of yeah like comedy yeah. rap uh and then i really like the dream warriors mm-hmm. which is a canadian group yep. from the early 90s yes yeah and they had just the perfect blends of perfect blend of musicality mm-hmm. and interesting rhymes, like they get into geeky topics yep. and yep. clever Canadian references. Sure. There's a whole bunch I liked about that. Now, I know that you're also a fan of the band uh, Living Color. Yes. Now, they were they were a more of a hard rock band, though, right? Oh, yeah. They had almost no rap at all. Okay. That's what was really neat about Living Color is that they're the rare instance of an all all black yeah. male rock hard rock yeah. band yeah. 
socially conscious yeah. and yeah. yeah and actually living color when we try to figure out the american midnight oil mm. there's a bit of a case to be made that mm-hmm. yeah like you, you know we know that tragically hip is yeah. canada's answer i had a we had friends over for dinner last night yeah and um a fella noticed um the magnet the magnet on the fridge from i think uh, one of the new york concerts um in 2017 that okay. um Somebody sent to us. Did Nancy send those yeah, to I us? Yeah, I think it was from Nancy. With the Thank one you, with Nancy. The, with the hand up covering Rob's face. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's why I didn't remember who sent it to us. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he said, that's Midnight Oil, isn't it? I said, yeah, it is. And he said, are they basically like Australia's version of the tragically hip? <laughs> and I went on to explain, you know, tall, bald, gangly, socially conscious, strange dancing, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. The, yeah the tour that they went on yeah, together. Yeah, so that's and, neat yeah. that, that somebody else would think that. Yeah. The opposite direction from yeah. a Canadian perspective. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Christopher, for sending in your thoughts and, yeah. and holding us to task and, on and, that stuff. And Christopher saying that he doesn't like gangster rap either. Yeah. 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 Good enough. Eric Fiedler says, regarding your producer preference, Lick Licknane. <laughs> Licknane. <laughs> Nick Lane was in Australia for about a month while the oils were recording. Here's Nick and Rob going for a hike together a few months ago, and he sent us a link to an Instagram post where Nick's got this video of the Oceanside, and, oh, there's there's Rob waving. <laughs> Rob and Nick Lonnie going for a hike while the oils are recording. And, and Eric says, you know, it proves nothing. Yeah. But it seems very coincidental. Yeah. That's my mate Rob. Hello, Rob. Hello, Nick. That's Rob, the drummer from Midnight Oil who I'm staying with, and he lives here. He's a, he's a lucky bastard. Maybe Nick had a hand in mm-hmm. some of the recording. Yeah. But isn't it strange that the Oils didn't mention him at all in the press release? Yeah, seeing as he was such a big producer friend of them on, on such important albums in yeah. the past, too. And certainly people who are interested in the Oils from the past, if they're going to recognize Warren's name, they're going to recognize Nick's name as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. So, but it would be very interesting to know. Mm-hmm. Maybe he still did have a hand in it. We can hope. And yeah. That's what the third album will be. Maybe. Shall we play some comedy noises? Please. <laughs> All right, Robin. Tonight, we are talking about a couple Breathe Era songs that didn't make it onto the album. We're actually splitting. We've got five tracks that we're going to be dealing with from the Breathe Era we're going to do two tonight, and we're going to do three uh, next time we get together. Oh, the hard part later. Three. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of them's an instrumental. Oh. Yeah. So tonight we're going to be taking a listen to A Sunburnt Sky, mm-hmm. um, a demo that um, didn't make it onto any B-sides, but we have from, oh, I don't remember if it's Chico or if it's on Lasseter's Gold. And we are also going to be listening to I See You, which was a B-side on, I believe, Underwater. Oh. Yeah. And I was thinking before we just dove right in and started talking about Sunburnt Sky, if maybe we could just talk a little bit about the Breathe era again, what was going on, and maybe you or I have found perhaps similarities in these two songs that might be worth just talking about briefly before we we get into the to the two songs themselves okay sure yeah so i've got a couple quotes from you from Um, me no uh, so i've got a couple quotes for you oh (laughs) um taken from um some from michael lawrence's midnight oil book some from rob hurst's um willie's bar and grill and others that i just pulled out of our notes from when we did breathe last time so wow, you're so just, organized. Just to put you in the breathe mood again. First of all, where did we end up with on Breathe when we went through the whole albums? Did you end up taking Breathe as your album? Yeah, I think I did. Didn't like wasn't it my final album? I think it may have been your final. Yeah, That's so think, weird. Yeah. Yeah, you you took Breathe and you didn't take the real thing. Yeah. And and Capricornia, I think, was a real strong contender. Yeah. But you said, no, I'm going to stick with Breathe. And I think I had Breathe 
because I was just taking whatever we listened to is my favorite album. <laughs> They're all my favorites. <laughs> and then we got to Capricornian and I took Capricornian, yeah. I think. Actually, no, I maybe I did. And then I went back afterwards. We said, well, really, I think I want Earth and Sun and Moon. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where, where yeah. we ended up the year at, at least where I ended up the year at. But I think I came away from the year loving Breathe so much more than I did when it originally came out. Here's some quotes. Pete says, it's an album of reflection. Bone says, it's my least favorite record I've ever done with the band. (laughs) Jim says that he felt like he was reconnecting with his muse and that even though um, some of the fans don't think so, it's a favorite of his. Rob says, this was not the happiest time of my musical life. And he also says that um, it was a deliberate move away from the drum and strum that they were doing and that the nervous energy that they were known for was lacking in this album. Mm. And we made plenty of jokes about Malcolm Byrne. Yeah, Malcolm Byrne, the producer. If you need to go for a smoke break, he'll gladly pick up your bass and do your job for you. Yes. So that's why I was going to say is that I'm not entirely sure who played on this al- on these two yeah, songs. Yeah. <laughs> if you were to throw out a couple words or three to describe it, what, what comes to mind when you when you think of Breathe? Do you want me to get, get started? Uh, I would say a lot of it is very spacious. There's yeah. the, the sound. It sounds like it was recorded in an old wooden house. Yes. Old, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you just hear a lot of space, mm-hmm. a lot of room to breathe, yes. arguably. Yeah. And uh, a lot of room noise. Like yeah, you, you, you get hear... the feel of the mic placement in the rooms. Yes. Yeah. Gritty. Swampy, I think, was a term that, that we yeah, read. At times, used. at times, that's right. It felt swampy. Um, an album that was best listened to turned way up to hear all the nuance in it, perhaps. I think we were talking about those kind of things. I think Michael Lawrence alludes to that as well in his book. Um, as far as the lyrical content of the songs, um, seem to be dealing with more personal issues, perhaps some grief, perhaps some reconciliation. Yeah, like it, it has the the first song I ever... Breathe contains the first song I ever played live, like at a coffee house. Oh, it yeah. was me and my acoustic guitar. Yeah. And Time to Heal yeah. was the first, I shouldn't say the first song I ever did, but the first Midnight Oil song I ever just played mm-hmm. for people, like in public. Mm-hmm. Um, both the lyrics seemed right for the situation and also the particular strummy nature of that song. It just yep. seemed like a very acoustic song yeah. uh, that I could deliver. And it wasn't flashy. Yep. It, was, <laughs> it suited my uh, narrow vocal range. Yeah. Um, when you were just talking, when you are kind of describing how, how it, it suits you and just the strumming strumminess of it, um, Mike Lawrence, because I was reading it this afternoon, it's fresh in my mind, um, he, he was collecting some of the reviews. I don't know if this was a Rolling Stone review of Breathe or an, one of the other magazines, but the reviewer said, you know, some of these songs could, you know, fit Neil Young, Harvest era Neil Young. Type oh, stuff. yeah. 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 I think we mentioned Neil Young mm-hmm. during this. Yeah. And the few times that they really rock on Breathe, it feels more like Crazy Horse yes. than anything else, which is also, yeah. Yeah. So in either case, yes, it feels very Neil Young inspired and having uh, Emmy Lou mm-hmm. yeah. on it is yeah. another Neil Young connection. Yeah. Right on. Let's listen to A Sunburnt Sky. Oh, mm-hmm. 
A Sunburnt Sky. Yeah. So, so what do you have for credits there? A Sunburnt Sky, written by Magini. Yep. It's a breathe outtake recorded and mixed by Malcolm Byrne slash Grant Puddig. Yeah. At Darling Harbor Studios yes. in Sydney, 1996. Does it say anything about uh, the New Orleans studio, Kingsway studio for this one? No. No. N- nothing yeah. there. Yeah. But it still sounds it l- does. like breathe. So that surf guitar that's throughout it, it's got that. Yeah. Um, well, I can't think. Like it's, the reverb. It's a real reverb. Like we're playing through our voxes and we've got it cranked up to 10. Yeah. 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 And that is what adds that space. Yeah. 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 This is both the songs that we're listening to, I think are, are kind of laid back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one for sure, both of them are, you know, sparse instrumentally. Um, but yeah, this one for sure. You just, you just hear that, that echo the reverb with the guitars and just a really simple, crisp drum beat throughout the whole thing. Nothing fancy. Doesn't really change. It just kind of rubs musically where he's at musically, (laughs) (laughs) but he's, you know, just keeping it steady. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a bit of a false start to it now. And I think we talked about this with some other songs, whether this is really the tape spinning up or if this is just an effect put in to add authenticity <laughs> yeah. into the, t- into the, into the recording. Um, but yeah, so we've got a bit of a false start and we've got that little tape noise, that little pickup things winding up to speed as, as the song gets started. Surfy, voxy, reverb guitars. Yeah. And it's driven, it's just a, well, you'd almost call it a two note riff, but mm-hmm. it's actually got a little three note turnaround in it Yeah, that occasionally uses a third note, but it's just that do, 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 do thing. Do the hustle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny in that way. It, it works for me. Oh yeah. But it's so, almost hypnotic because they're just keeping it to that thing the whole time through, eh? Yeah. Yeah, I, I call it like a little ditty, a little electric lead yeah. ditty. Um, yeah, and right with the surf sound. Now, this song reminds me of of Time to Heal. Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah, yeah. You, you hear it too. Eh? And that's why I played it. Uh, my daughter, Rihanna, as always, uh, yeah. gave them a quick listen with me. Okay, good. And yeah, that's what she said, that yeah. Time to Heal. And... Is it like the same key? Well, here's the thing. Okay. The song is in F sharp. Yeah. Lots of breathe is in the key of B or adjacent keys on the circle of fifths. That's either E yeah. or F sharp, depending on what way you're going. Okay. So those are the adjacent keys. Ah, right. And you might have heard of a circle oh, of fifths Oh, yeah. Before. I remember hearing of the circle of fifths, but yeah. I don't have to deal with those things. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not your... Don't speed up, folds. Right. But I'm a drummer. That's my job. <laughs> yeah. So it's convenient that, that these, these two songs, these two songs, fit in not only in spaciousness and vibe, yep. but they fit. They're even the right key yeah. for yeah, yeah, right so, on. And it amuses Rihanna that when if we think of "Breathe," oh, that's that simple, strummy album. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny that it's in more difficult keys, like mm-hmm. unusual keys. Yeah, they're not like your cowboy chords sitting around the yeah, campfire. They're not all in G. Yeah. They're not all in, yeah. I was wondering, do you have thoughts on who is singing those high, breathy background vocals along at, with Pete? At the, at the very end? or Well, th- like even like um, coming into, I think the chorus is like around the 32nd mark. A love I was wondering if it was if it was Jim who was singing or maybe it was Bones, you know, singing in yeah. his golden tones. Yeah, I I would suspect it's Bones, but I'm not 
always sure that Bones participated in this album yeah. much at all. Yeah. So <laughs> You know, maybe Malcolm has had his screaming fit in his left for the day and Bones can actually <laughs> participate. Yes. <laughs> I was confused whether that was golden enough to yeah. be a Bones or if it was a little bit of that Lennon nasally thing that we get from Jim. Yeah, just I don't think Jim has that range, yeah. so they would have had to do studio trickery, yeah. which isn't suitable for which does not fit so, with this album. Yeah, so the only person in the band that could hit that note naturally is Bones. Yeah, but it doesn't really sound because Rob, come on, give me a try. You know, he he will give those those a go. Doesn't sound like Rob either. Yeah, maybe it's Malcolm. Well, that's what's <laughs> worth. We don't know uh, how high Malcolm can sing. So, Bones it is. Yeah. Yep. Very good. <laughs> you were talking about uh, just this riff going over and over. Yeah. And I mentioned, you know, that it's it's kind of hypnotic that, that way. Very simple song, like drums is basically kick, snare, kick, kick, snare, with the hat going on and tambourine every once in a while, and then just like a crash at the going into the chorus or coming out of the chorus. Really, really simple stuff going on there. Yeah. But listening to the spaces in the song where there isn't a lot going on vocally um, and just kind of trying to listen for the drums and as well on, on the other song that we're listening to today, that's, that's where I hear a lot of the room in it. Um, it feels like there's when the snare is hit, you can hear the overtones and the ringing happening. Like maybe there's a close mic or maybe it's bouncing off the walls. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it adds to the, the personal, like it, it sounds like you're intimate with the band in a space. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes, it just makes for an enjoyable uh, song. You know, I'm, I'm there with the guys they're playing for me or whatever. <laughs> yeah. There with Malcolm and Pete, and yeah, Jim, those guys too. The three of them. It's the, the three, three of them. The three yeah. of them make this album. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> a couple guitars for sure playing in the song. Yeah. Sometimes a third, maybe even. Do you think? I don't know if I ever picked up on a third, but yeah, definitely two. I'm not arguing. Yeah. Well, let me see if if we can listen. Maybe coming out of the out of the chorus into one of those spacey bits. How many guitars we can. is really unremarkable yeah at all so that's why like i kind of think this is one of the times when bones took off or whatever and malcolm was just yeah malcolm's just pluck 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 or something yeah. yeah and then i think we both noticed at the end of the song as everything kind of fades away there's just a little bit of pete yeah having a little something to say there at the end eh? yeah like that was a good take that was a nice or, take or yeah. that was a nice one or something yeah, yeah. Was this the song that you scrounged the lyrics for, for us? Yeah. Yeah. So, now, did you recognize this song when we heard it? When you heard um, it? I didn't recognize it, but I had I known from doing a little bit of research that this went on Jim's Atlas Folkloric album. And so I did give a listen to it okay. um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... I, I actually wasn't aware that this was going on. So okay. just just this last week, I finally started listening to oh, yeah. A Sunburnt Sky. I don't know if I'd heard it at all yeah. before that. So just this last week, but I listened to it. I'm like, I know this song. I know this song. So right away, I, I, didn't, I didn't do any research. I found it. I was sure it was on a, a last folkloric. And yeah, within three songs, I found it yeah. and was listening to Jim's. Yeah. Version. So, so 10 years later, mm-hmm. so the Breathe Sessions were 1996, mm-hmm. or I think they yep. were anyway. Yep. And Alas Folkloric was 2006. So Jim mixed up this song again. He took, he, it's basically the same song. Yeah. There's a couple lyric changes, like yep. maybe two lyric changes. Uh, more than that. But yeah. but yeah, generally the lyrics are 
follow the same pattern. Okay. One verse is completely rewritten, and um, and a couple other lines here okay. and there. Yeah. Jim's version of the song. Can we talk about his? Or yeah, what? sure. A sunburnt sky is the oils version. Yeah. A love so high mm-hmm. is what it was called on Jim's album. Yeah. And that's quite a few of the the verses end with a love so high, a sunburnt sun sky. sky. So it's like yeah. one phrase for one title and the other. Yeah. 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 And you know that when we talk about the lyrics and and at least one of the lyrics that Jim changes for his am, am I saying it right? Atlas folklore. Oh no no. Alas. A- Alas folklore. Yeah. Okay. A L A S. Yeah. 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 Um yeah, one of the lyric changes he makes for the Alas Folkloric um, project seems to to change maybe a little bit of the emphasis that he wants to put on the song. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm wondering. Okay, it, this is all speculation from my part, right? Yeah. But when I listen to the Oils version and then Jim's version, it seems to put a little bit of weight on a different side, and so when the oils call it a sunburnt sky. I'm thinking, you know, the sunset, the end of something, the end of the day or the end of something. Well, on Alas Folkloric, Jim seems to want to emphasize a love so high yeah, more than perhaps the end of something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and there's subtle changes in the words. Um, I think the, the big change that jumped out for me was, is it the second verse? Um, it seems like there's some bad news happening in the sunburnt sky version. And he just kind of takes that out and replaces it with the mountain tunes in the last folklore, the, yeah. uh, the love so high version. Yeah. It changes from, I hear what you're telling me yep. into, I hear a rare old mountain tune. Right. Yeah. yeah. And earlier in the song, the second verse is replaced here tell you what I say for I will cover you Yeah, is the original. Yeah. But then it changes totally to pain is your energy. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And yeah, I got empathy. Mm-hmm. A love so high. Yeah. While the other ones actually says a love so strong. Yes. Mother salt. So yeah, lots of, so lots of changes. When you think of um, a love so high musically compared to a sunburnt sky, just just give me a brief because I've only listened to it a couple times. So musically, yeah. Speak. Tell me what is Yeah, so it's built on that kind of train shuffle yeah. Yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And the acoustic guitar is more more twangly. It's it's a similar riff. Yeah. But it's much more rhythmic and driving. Yes. It's to, got to less of that surfy uh, space. Yeah. I like Jim's version a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice hearing Pete sing those lyrics in, mm-hmm. in the Oils version. Uh, I listen to the Jim version so much that it's hard for me to like the Oils one better. Yeah. Um. I want to draw attention, though, to this one line that's delivered really well. It's in this second last verse. Sunshine smote the hill behind you, the hill or field in Jim's version, mm-hmm. where we buried you. Yeah. We sing into the ether, yeah. pouring tears above the words we've yet to find or above Above beneath her words, we're yet to find yeah, Jim's version. Yeah, it's interesting. This the song seems to be about a death. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. But both by I especially like Jim's delivery of this very tricky line. Yeah, so Jim delivers that yeah, expertly. That is a very nice delivery. Yeah. Take a lesson, Pete. <laughs>
Pete did okay. Oh yeah, but, he did. But I guess Jim and Jim was very complimentary. Everything you read about Pete singing on this album, Jim is very complimentary. Yeah, of Pete's work. Yeah, and of course Jim's got ten years mm-hmm. of to live with the song. Yeah, that's right. I'm yeah. thinking this is what I really want to do to emphasize with that part. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you brought up that you know this song seems like it's about a death. Yeah. It seems, especially from that verse, about the death of someone rather than the death death of something. Yeah. Um, you know, listening to it, uh, um, especially at the beginning, you know, is this a relationship gone bad? I was wondering about, especially with the lyrics that he maintains um, when he's working with the oils. Uh, the first verse, speak, tell me what you say, give your true game away, you know, make yourself vulnerable to me, a love so high, a sunburnt sky, here, tell you what I say, for I will cover you, kind of almost offering protection to the vulnerable party from the, from the first stanza there, whatever, a love so strong, a familiar song. Mm -hmm. And then maybe the relationship is lost, or maybe, maybe there is a death of some sort. And, and because of that, you know, the relationship is lost. Yeah. And when we were listening to the gym version, yes, there still was a bunch of that kind of reverb tank stuff in yeah, there. Right? Yeah, you can totally hear that. Yeah. So that's, Was I hearing it more in the bass? I think low strings okay. of, a, of an electric guitar. Yeah, okay, yeah. But possibly in the bass, yeah. but yeah. I just want to just touch on a couple more things in the lyrics, at yeah. least on the Sunburnt Sky. So you've kind of got that, that first verse with the two stanzas. Um, and you've got the chorus, you know, it seems like the beginning of this long, so strong, uh, or the strength of this love perhaps that's happening. And I left it all behind is, is how they, and how he ends the first chorus. So the emphasis on, is on, I left this behind. So that's why I was kind of thinking, okay, maybe this is more of a relationship type of thing. And maybe he's reflecting back about, things that happened that caused him to turn away from a relationship maybe yeah um and then the second verse i hear what you're telling me i got tools i don't know how to use now that's changed in the alas folkloric version i think that becomes the mountain tune verse no no actually uh jim Jim still delivers that line, but eh? but drops the eyes. Yeah. Instead, it's got tools, don't know how to use. Right. So I listen to that, and I'm thinking, okay, maybe the other party is delivering bad news to the person who's singing the song. They don't know how to deal with this. You know, I've got some tools. Maybe my music is a tool. Maybe my poetry is a tool. But I don't know how to use them to deal with this kind of thing. Um, and then you get right into the to the burial, going to the hill. Is, is this a death of a person we're at? Um, is this an internment? Is this a metaphor for the relationship? Yeah. I'm not sure, but there's, there's some sort of loss and helplessness that leads into this. And you were talking about Jim's delivery of the singing into the ether line. Yeah. Um, very well done, but it's that ether again. Remember we were talking about the ether ether when we were talking, earth and sun and moon we're talking just yeah this kind of this concept that that he has you know just letting stuff out to where it may be um yeah so my ears always attune to what jim puts out into the ether and and it comes back to me (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah that's a a running theme from earth sun and moon and breathe there's a lot of a lot of that Sending out the signals. Sending those signals out. Yeah. You're weird, Robin. Yeah. The end of the song, uh, where at the beginning we have, and I left it all behind, at the end of the song, and you left it all behind, saying goodbye to somebody who is is, is dying or is, has died, or I don't think we're given enough information to decode everything. No. And, and you know, that's not the point of these things, is to decode any, everything. What's What's nice sometimes is just thinking about what's going on in your life right now and how these kind of things can be layered upon it. And, and yeah, so it's a rich song that way. Yep. I think of, of the two, I understand why perhaps the next song makes it more as a B side. And this just kind of was left behind. I'm glad that Jim brought it back and yeah, 
2006, you said? Yeah. I really got to be listening to more of his his stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, I've it's got a bunch a of the physical releases, but some of the stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I just got a thing. I want the physical release. Yeah. And I can't get that yet. So, or at least right now, I, I Oh, can't really? Get it. Is it not yeah. available? On... No, I looked for it yeah. on Bandcamp. But nope, not available. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because actually I was on Spotify to listen to the Tank songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I noticed that Jim, I went and looked for Jim, mm-hmm. and only some of his most recent stuff was on there. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So let's take a listen to I See You. Mm-hmm. Love is my ambition, a great mystery. I See You was uh, a B-side on, I think, Underwater, at least on some of the European releases. I don't know if it made it onto, there's various uh, single releases of Underwater. I don't know if it was on all of them, Um, but it was on some of them. Uh, You dug up some recording information for us. Right. Written by Magini Garrett. Yeah. Now, this is weird. Jim Magini Vocal. Yeah. Recorded at Darling Harbor, Sydney. Recorded by, yeah, that's right, by the same guys in Sydney. Yeah. Mixed at Kingsway Studio, New Orleans, Orleans. L.A., Louisiana, Louisiana. USA, 1987. And I saw that and I thought, no way that's 1987. Yeah. That must have been a mistake. That should be 1997. Yeah. Certainly. I guess it'd be, does 97 seem too late or do you think that's the right time for the, um, well, they were touring with, so is that when the single would have came out? It's possible. Yeah. 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 87 certainly. Well, 87 is definitely wrong. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So yeah. And, and actually when you sent that stuff to me earlier today or yesterday, it made me think really, I thought all of this was basically done at Kingsway in New Orleans. But I guess Malcolm came over to Australia to do some of the recording with them as well, eh? Oh, it certainly seems like it. Oh, for Breathe, yeah. Yeah. Well, in fact, I think the majority of it was recorded mm-hmm. in Sydney. Yeah. Well, I think you were thinking that maybe almost the whole album was recorded in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, when I picture this album, I picture yeah. them in the swamp. Yeah. In New Orleans, <laughs> recording in a house that's covered with ivy. Yeah. There's alligators swimming around outside of it. <laughs> and, and grandma in a rocking chair That's on right, the with porch. With a shotgun. Yeah, with a shotgun on the porch. <laughs> yeah, well, well, in actual fact, yeah, most of this was recorded in Sydney. Yeah. But mixed and mastered and maybe some additional recording done oh, well, they in had, Kingsway. That's Daniel Lanois studio, right? Yeah, they had. They definitely had recording sessions there in Louisiana. Yeah. Maybe even first. Okay. Well, okay, I don't know about the order. Yeah. But I would throw a number like, Five of the 13 songs, for example, yeah. were recorded in Louisiana. Yeah. Like they didn't fly Emmy Lou over to Sydney. That, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> sure. For example. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Jim Vocals recorded at Darlington Harbor, Sydney. What's happening in Sydney? Oh, we're recording Jim's vocals here. Yeah. So maybe this was one of the ones that was primarily recorded in New Orleans? Yeah, it's it's still a weird thing, and I'm not even sure I heard Jim sing on this. Yeah. So I really don't understand. Okay, because there's, there's some more high background BGVs, these breathy high BGVs happening in the song. Yeah. So I, I wonder, maybe, is it Bones? Maybe this is Jim trying to give it a try again. Yeah. Because Bones was locked out. Yeah. <laughs> Who Jim's, knows? I can hit those high notes too. <laughs> I just have to do it in my my Kathleen Turner voice. This is not Kathleen Turner at all. (laughs) So I See You is another, in some ways, a laid back song. You know, I I would, is it laid back or is it just more chill? Yeah, it's more chill, right? Yeah. Because that's a pretty, that's a strong drum beat. It's, It's a spicy, simple drum beat. Yeah. What would you call that? That drum beat? Would, spicy. Just spicy? It's 
Yeah, there's there's it's it's a fun one. It's not just a it's rhythmically interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to bop your head along to yeah, this that, one, though. Yeah, eh? it is a funky kind of song. Is 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 funky the word? I think it's the word I want. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's de- it's groovy. How about oh, groovy? it's groovy. Yeah. So this is totally Earth, Sun, and Moon. Mm-hmm. We talked about how Breathe still had some echoes of yes. Earth, Sun, and Moon. Yep. And this that's what this song is. Yeah. Yeah. It's yep. it's Earth, Sun, and Moon meets Breathe. Yep. That strong drum beat, those sparse little organ parts. Staccato organ. Yeah, Jim Jim showing great restraint there. The whole song, like this is what I wrote down about what makes this song great, is everything is so restrained with the organ, with the drums. Like, yeah, that's a groovy beat, but it's not all over the place, and it's not going to town, and the bass, subtle, but... That's a nice bass There's line. There's a nice bass playing on this that. Is, this is the oils leaving you wanting more <laughs> at, at their best. Yeah. It is an exercise, a master class in restraint. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we're agreed on this. We like this song. Yeah, it's a good song. It is a good song. Um, there's not a lot of bass at the very beginning of the oh, song. Oh, at the beginning he's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah just... we out for a smoke break, and then he comes in. And... <laughs> oh, I hear recording. <laughs> I'm looking through the window. I see Malcolm walking over He's to my base. He's grabbing my base. <laughs> Smash. <laughs> <laughs> Bones probably got a lot of reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, got, he's got... He's a tall man. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, if it wasn't for Pete being in the band, I mean, Bones would be... Like, totally the scary. Watch out, who's that big guy? Did we determine whether or not Jim is singing BGVs there? I, I couldn't make it out. That must be what's going on. You, yeah, I couldn't make it out either. Yeah, otherwise these these liner notes are absolutely useless. So it's got to be Jim. I half imagine that the liner notes on, like, Chico and Laster's Gold are more for show than anything else. <laughs> 1987 who's gonna argue with that yeah yeah um so yeah not a lot of bass happening until after i guess the first chorus we hear the bass there's a couple little yeah, he does some at little the very beginning and that that might be malcolm and bones fighting over the bass that could be what's and going then, on there and then bones emerges victorious and, yes that, that and does does a, a triumphant <laughs> a triumphant bass run there that is a very reasonable explanation yeah. of what's going on there yeah, and and we hear guitar for the first time even coming in after after that. So maybe Martin and Bones were yeah having a dart on the bayou with Grandma <laughs> and the alligators, and then they they showed up. Um, how would you describe the tone of the bass in the song? Thick, thick, buzzy, not fuzzy, but could it be low and buzzy? Yeah. I g- Okay, maybe yeah, maybe it has some buzz. Like the fundamental is pretty thick, mm-hmm. I think of it. But yeah, it could have quite a bit of fret fret noise. Mm-hmm. It's that thing where with bass, you often have two different tones at once. Okay. Yeah, and you've got that low fundamental thing. Yeah. And then you got the fret buzzy kind of on top stuff and if you want to sound good on the radio through the tinny little speakers i'm pointing up at in your ceiling here like when you're playing the kmart music okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. if you want your bass line to be audible in those kind of bad situations yeah you need those overtones oh okay generated by the fret buzz yeah as well as that big fat bass sound yeah. that when you're playing it through proper speakers yeah. or headphones. Yeah. So they they got both going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking that I was like, I didn't want to describe it as a fuzzy bass, but maybe gritty or buzzy or something. I see 
that hollow surfy guitar coming in again. Oh yeah. Yeah. Looking real nice in the second course there. And and that's where I was saying, yeah, this is the exercise in restraint. It was at this point it's like this may be my favorite song that we've listened to certainly this year <laughs> but maybe even like in in listening to all the bonus material that we've done so far wow this this is like i'm you're really digging grooving this one yeah yeah at the very end of the song bone starts playing the chord notes there sometimes you can have really effective interesting bass that is not it's just it's very effective yeah you're a real fan of the of the quarter notes there (laughs) i am they're probably eighth notes but they might be yeah but we drummers don't know how to count past four no no i remember like darren and i didn't play music together for like a decade almost yeah maybe somewhere around that i was out of town for a while and then we just weren't playing together when yeah. I came back to and, and then I think at one like I think I became a significantly better bassist and Darren's take on it was you know I like when you just play the one the one note <laughs> when you go bump 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 you know I like that better so that was Darren's all all that all that practice and work and everything that I put into to be able to play more complicated bass lines than Darren's was. But you know, that was probably 10 years ago. <laughs> I know I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, what I was trying to say here was sometimes. Yeah. Eighth notes are very effective. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. Well, of course they totally, they can totally make a song. Yeah, and there's times, well, there's all kinds of oil songs that just need that good driving. We're rocking. Yeah. yeah. For, forgotten years. Sure. Forgotten years. Yes. Yeah. And the same goes for drums too, right? Like you don't have to be doing drum fills and solos all over the place to make it, to make the song. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to keep it snappy and in the pocket and here we go. This yeah. is good. Yeah. Yeah. Lyrically. Yeah. The chorus of the song, six days since you took your love from me, I can't seem to shake the memory. I see you still implied in everything I do. I see you. Are we listening to potentially two love songs from the oils tonight? This is the weirdest thing. Yeah. That's why I've been thinking about while I've been listening to these. It's like, are these just love songs? Yeah. And they got, they got both got axed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Pete had a hand in this song too. Yes. It wasn't just a it's gym. It's not just a gym. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. These songs that get cut. Yet it still makes it on a B-side. That's true. It still gets out there. It still got out there. Tons of these songs, like on Last Year's Gold... Greater number of B-sides and rarities were written by just one person, Mm -hmm. but a surprising number of the unreleased demos were written by, by the group, by two or three guys. Yeah. So it seems like it's more likely to make it to the demo stage if you write with the band and maybe to get on a B-side rather than if you just have solo stuff. Well, no, it's easier to get on the B side. Oh, I'm sorry. By writing solo. Okay. But it's easy to get an unreleased demo if it's a group of people. Which is a little bit strange. It's kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. So maybe the guys don't feel so bad about canning a song when a bunch of them wrote it. Yeah, it doesn't feel so personal. It's not so personal. So perhaps another love song here. Yeah. Perhaps... Perhaps Pete is maybe throwing a little bit of lyrical content in here. I, I'm almost wondering if he's sounding like he's swimming with the sharks again at one point. Yeah. Uncover the mask, jump in, 
for the swim? Is that what's happening in verse three? Yeah. Yeah. Of... Towards the end of the song there. Yeah. You know, just speculating. We don't have a lyric sheet written out for this. But yeah, it sounds, you know, we're talking about love is my ambition. Love is my nation. The way that you were makes me blue. And then in the second verse, the way that we are makes me blue. So we've got the past making the singer blue. Yeah. We've got the present making the singer blue. The way that you were makes me blue. The way that we are makes me blue. And then at the end, the way that you were made me blue. Perhaps suggesting that the singer is is moved on or or the if this is a love song, the relationship has, has moved on, has passed, or it has been reconciled maybe even because, you know, in the past it made me blue, but Hey, we're, we're past that. We made it through that or something. Yeah. I don't know. This song is a little bit more, I don't know what you're talking about to me then. Yeah. Then sunburnt sky, sunburnt sky seemed to have some strings that I could grasp onto and, and, and maybe derive some sort of meaning or apply some meaning onto this one. Wow. Listen to those guys play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's your favorite. It's inde- indecipherable, indiscernible. But it's, it grooves. It's your favorite. Yeah, but it's yeah, it grooves. But it grooves. I already mentioned that this was an F sharp. I think you mentioned yeah. that both of these were Yeah, F-sharp. both of them yeah. are. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> very good. Very good. <laughs> very, very important thing to say at the end of the discussion. You were really good about... Uh, Calling out the liner notes for Chico and Laster's Gold there, so that we know who does what on these songs. Yeah. Has nothing to do with the fact that I'm holding the Midnight Oil Breathe Tour 97 double album, <laughs> the Disney Double, as I want us all to call it these days. <laughs> yeah. So that's when they performed at Disney. At Disney World. In 97. Christmas time. And it got recorded and then finally released 20... 19? 22 years later, yeah. unauthorized by the band. Yeah, for Record Store Day. <laughs> what a weird thing. What a strange thing. But I made you guys listen to it at our, our record listening group a few months back. And you know what? For the Midnight Oil fan, it's, a, it's an enjoyable little thing. Yeah, even I enjoy if, it. Even if the band doesn't want you to hear it, yeah, it's still a nice thing to hear. It is. Yeah, like they're playing for a crowd that is there for the mouse, but it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's some good stuff. Puppet show <laughs> and, and midnight, midnight oil. oil. That's kind of what it seems like. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? The price has really gone down. You can you you can find it on eBay reasonably if you. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 People like some of them, some of them are still like around 90 bucks, but I've seen them down around 30 bucks. Wow. Yeah. So just wait if yeah. you want, if you want it. I, I should be trying to get one of those. Yeah. 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 It's a fun one. I actually neglected a little bit of business as usual. Oh no. Um, I don't know. I just, I just throw things into the business as usual section that are not related specifically to the songs that we're discussing tonight. Um, so in, um, in the last few months, there were a couple deaths that just kind of want to bring up on the pod. Mm. Um, Ginger Baker died, um, in late 2019. He was Eric Clapton's drummer in cream. Right. As you know, um, uh, quite a wild guy, you know, kind of a contemporary of Keith Moon. He was uh, he was quite a drummer, influential on some really important recordings. He's passed away. And then, of course, a uh, great Canadian drummer. Yeah. I regret not being able to see him play live in, in my life. Neil Peart uh, passed away just about a month ago. Yeah. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know who Neil Peart is, he is the drummer for Rush would you say arguably or just definitively Canada's greatest prog rock group? Um, certainly most popular. Two months ago yesterday. Two months ago yesterday. And yeah. It's been two months now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think Rush is indisputably who can compare. Yeah. 
like when you're talking about Canadian rock, Rush's got to be in the top five. Oh yeah, I mean, all the musicians are legendary. Mm-hmm. They are quantitatively we we can objectively measure them as some of the greatest musicians around. Yeah, like you know, notes per second. <laughs> right, yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, they're all three of them super skilled yeah. at their instruments. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that's up for debate is that you might not just, might not like their music like all that music, much. Yeah. But, but by any measure of, of skill or success yeah. or fan base or whatever. Huge. Yeah. International, like Rush is not a Canadian thing. Rush is a, a worldwide oh, thing. Oh yeah. 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 It was unknown to most of us that he had, uh, cancer, yeah. um, quite serious, of course. Yeah. I, I think that was a clue though, when he retired from the band, uh, a few years back, just the idea that he just could not keep up with the demands of play. He wanted mm-hmm. to be able to play at that top, top yeah. notch. Yeah. And he just wasn't able to keep up at it. Yeah. There's like being an athlete. If if you haven't checked him out drumming, there were YouTube there are YouTube videos yeah. of like an overhead cam of him and he has the most ridiculous drum kit ever, yeah. right, Darren? On the on the big octagon, he's got he's got a massive kit in front of him and the chair spins around. Yeah. So that he can he can drum three sixty. Yes. Um and it's not just like, you know, most of us play in kind of a two dimensional space with a couple symbols. Neil is three-dimensional everywhere. There's <laughs> yeah. things for him to hit and yes. to trigger and to, like, keyboards and all. Oh, he's got it all. Yeah, and, and he used it all. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. It wasn't just this ridiculous kit for show. Yeah, no. He, he, he hit was, them all. <laughs> he hit them all, and each of them had a purpose and a reason, and it was well thought out. Yeah, yeah and, like, he was he was a... All the guys from Rush seem to be like real thinkers. Um, yeah. yeah um, just a, a really neat man. I was unwa- unaware that Neil was the lyricist yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. So like a drummer who's literate. Darren, I, well, what's happening he's here? he's beyond drummer. <laughs> like, I, th- I think like drummer is, is one of the things he does on the side, and he does that so well. <laughs> yeah. Next time we get together on the couch. Oh yeah. Smash the wobble board, Kingdom of Flaunt, and the band played Waltzing Matilda. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I know all three of these. Yeah. So if you've got uh Chica Locallo in the tanks, you can listen to those. Uh if you don't have the singles, you know where to find music. And you know where to find us. Yes. Right here in your ears. And with that, Mr. Harbin, it's time to put the put. lid back on the tank. <laughs> okay. Is that what we're saying these sure. days? And say good night until next time when we will be listening to some more Breathe Era tunes on Comfortable Place on the Couch, a Midnight Oil podcast. Suggestions, comments, hate mail, just want to be mentioned on the podcast, got some business as usual to bring up with us, want to put us in our place, go to darrenfolds.com there's a contact form there you can find robin and i on twitter i am at darren folds and you are at 8-bit show and tell okay that's where you prefer to receive yeah i'm I'm, I'm barely ever on that bedford level exp nowadays all right but i'll eventually see it we do have show notes for our first series of podcasts where we go through all the albums on darrenfolds.com slash podcasts. Um, you never know what you might find there. 
as far as we go. But something that you will find there is our other podcast that we do, Growing Up 80s. If you just like listening to Rob and I talk, uh, you might enjoy giving that a listen to as well. Yeah. So, for Robin Harbin, I'm Darren Folds. Good night. Good night.